You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so Be'ezras Hashem tonight, what we're going to be starting is a new series of shirim entitled The Inner World of Trauma. Now, the title of this shir is very important because it's going to be the framework in which we continue to have the discussion about trauma. And the most important part of this title is that the word trauma is placed in scare quotes. It's placed in quotation marks to take away any of the notion that we are speaking about a specific type of trauma or that we're speaking about some acute form of actual trauma that a person might be going through, God forbid. And to highlight the fact that by placing trauma in scare quotes and quotations, what we're identifying is that we're speaking about the abstract idea of trauma. We're abstracting the concept of trauma from the event of trauma so that we can speak about it in an almost idealized way where it is an idea. And if that idea, or if the abstract ideas discussed regarding trauma seem significant or therapeutically healing in one way or another, then an individual can take those abstract ideas and apply it to their own particular experience of trauma. But to speak in a generalized way, especially as a sheer, about the specifics of trauma or about an actual event of trauma that a person might be going through would not only be crude, but it would also be unethical because one of the marks of an actual traumatic event is on a certain level, the unbearability of it, as well as the residual effects, which are unbearable. And the trauma that people go through from one level to the next runs the reign of something difficult to something horrific. And there's nothing beautiful, there's nothing significant, there's nothing spiritually healing inherent in actual trauma, in the event of trauma itself, especially as it is being perpetrated in whatever way that it is being perpetrated. Trauma brings with it victims of trauma and victims of trauma suffer. And in the face of actual suffering, to begin to speak about the idealized spiritual concepts beneath that psychological experience is simply the wrong thing to do. What needs to be done in an encounter with actual trauma, God forbid, is one needs to first and foremost stabilize, identify what the problem is, stabilize the problem, respond by talking to professionals who offer help in these areas, extricating oneself and untethering oneself from a chronic type of trauma. And before beginning to try and spiritualize or find the vitality within that experience so that one can move forward, there are various necessary stages of the confrontation with trauma, which need to be dealt with by a trauma specialist, 
as a therapist, trauma is a specificity. It means that somebody is trained in trauma care. And trauma brings with it its own vicissitudes, its own difficulties, as well as its own treatment modalities. There is literature on trauma, there are workshops on trauma, but the actual event of trauma and the actual after effects or aftershocks of trauma or, or the post-traumatic stress disorder that an individual might be experiencing, it's not necessarily the time for Torah. It's not necessarily the time for a machshava about those ideas. But rather, the ikkar over there is the maisa. It comes to dealing with it head on in the way that an individual is capable of dealing with it. So by no means should any of the conversations that we have or any of the thoughts that we contemplate in this series of shirim about the inner world of trauma be taken as minimizing or spiritualizing or romanticizing the events of actual trauma, which include human suffering, God forbid, and the symptoms that emerge therein or being caught up in the ungodly hellish type of experience of the concealment of trauma and the hiddenness of trauma and the repression of trauma, whether by the perpetrator or by the individual who is traumatized, which is a deeper type of illness prior to the individual being capable of addressing what the traumatic event was. And if anybody who is listening to these classes feels that there is something actual going on in terms of an actual trauma that is either chronic or continuing, the most important thing to do is to contact somebody that you trust, to contact a psychotherapeutic professional, to bring it to somebody who's capable of helping find the tools or the mechanisms capable enough to deal with that problem. So that's the first public service announcement. We are not talking about actual trauma. We are not talking about an individual who has actually been traumatized or being traumatized in real time. This is not meant to be a therapeutic model that can be applied to those experiences. But what we are talking about is a thematic, is a process, is a theory in which we can look at the concept of trauma, in which we can reflect on traumas that may have happened on a collective level or reflect on traumas in our own particular lives that have already been worked through, that these ideas as gleaned from the writings of our tzaddikim and filtered through my own humble interpretation can be seen as a therapeutic way of looking. They're not necessarily therapeutic tools that a person can use in confrontation with trauma, but it is an outlook. It is a theoretical position that one can take towards the concept and the existence of trauma that in my humble opinion, when looked at through this lens, offers therapeutic relief. This is by no means validating trauma or claiming that trauma is necessary, but it's a vision into a worldview that sees trauma as part of life and that sees the trauma as something that can't be ignored, that can't be pushed away, that can't be relegated to some symptom of an unfair life, but rather at the heart of Yiddishkeit, at the heart of Panimia Satora, there is a trauma written in quotation marks that is ever present and affects all individuals. So aside from the therapeutic possibility that insight can help with, that by adapting a new vision towards what trauma means at its core, I might be able to look back at the events or the symptoms of actual trauma with eyes of renewal, with eyes of redemption, not God forbid negating the negativity, but like we've spoken about so often, viewing the negativity through a new lens, which allows us to elevate that brokenness into a place of rectification, something referred to as sweetening the judgments in their root, 
There's a second benefit that we gain by talking about trauma in this way. And this is something that we hinted to and spoke about very much in the shirim on anxiety and more acutely in the shirim on addiction is that while there are those who have experienced trauma and those who have not experienced trauma, there is a growing tendency to view those who have not experienced trauma as still having some relationship to what the concept of trauma means. Meaning to say psychiatrists and psychologists, especially in the realm of trauma theory, have over the last few years made an essential distinction between the typology of trauma, the different gradations of trauma. There is something referred to as a capital T trauma, and there is something referred to as a lowercase t trauma. Now, a capital T trauma, like any proper noun, when we capitalize the letter, it's a reference towards something specific that has happened, an event that took place in real time and in real action. And as the diagnostic statistical manuals go, trauma is any event in which a person's life is put under the sense of threat or doom, or the witnessing of an event that puts someone else's life under threat or doom that leads me to an impasse where I can't move through that event because I'm so overwhelmed and I find myself stuck in the repetition process of assuming that bad thing is going to happen. And that leads to all sorts of symptoms and it leads to post-traumatic stress disorder and it leads to anxiety and it leads to all difficult manners of coping. And then there's the lowercase t trauma. Now the lower casing of the letter T is taking it out of a real context. It's no longer referring to a specific event or a specific moment in a person's life, but rather it is referencing a general thematic that might be true as human beings experience the world. That even though not everybody has experienced the capital T trauma, everybody has experienced the lowercase t trauma. And these lowercase t traumas are what are referred to in the literature as the trauma of everyday life, or the underlying trauma that rests behind the curtain of reality, or the theme of trauma that permeates all forms of psychological, spiritual, and philosophical speculation. Now, the lower casing of this letter is a very, very significant gesture because what it does is it decontextualizes the trauma. We're no longer talking about a specific event that may have, God forbid, taking place to a person, but we're speaking about a general sense or a general mood. And while one cannot compare the experience of an uppercase T trauma and the post-traumatic effects of such an event in one's life, and the post-traumatic effects of a lowercase T trauma, which is just an awareness of the difficulty of being alive, nevertheless, on a small scale level, on a zeranpin, on a, on a miniature level, those who have been blessed not to experience capital T traumas can gain an insight, whether it be sympathetically, empathetically, or in our own experience of what trauma might feel like and what trauma actually means for the human subject in this world. And so by talking about trauma in a quotation mark, by the theory of trauma, by the concept of trauma removed from the actual events or identifying markers of an actual trauma, we not only open up the possibility of finding a therapeutic mode through which to view the actual trauma of a person's life in the sense that insight is curative, especially retroactive insight, which allows me to give meaning to events that are by nature meaningless when it comes to trauma. 
What it also does is it allows us to expand the palace of trauma so that it's not only those who have experienced the capital T trauma who have access into the possibility of growth and light that comes from such a breakdown, but it expands it and it can be applied to everybody now that on a certain level, everybody is aware of what a lowercase t trauma is, as we're going to see. Be that as it may, in terms of the distinction of a capital T trauma and a lowercase t trauma, there is also an argument that can be made that those who have been alive for the past 30 years or so, or those who have been part and parcel of a Jewish tradition for the last 100 years or so, are all suffering on one level or another from a capital T trauma. Because what we've come to understand in the theory of trauma, especially with the burgeoning field of the studies of epigenetic and you know, transgenerational trauma, where the trauma of one generation affects the future generations, in spite of the fact that there's no actual connection to the, the real hardcore event of the trauma, it's reasonable to say that we live in a post-traumatic world or that our conception of Yiddishkeit from a certain moment and onwards is on a certain level, a post-traumatic Yiddishkeit, a grappling with the Torah, a grappling with meaning, a grappling with a sense of purpose in this world that is not born out of an even playing field of calm and cool collected easiness, but rather it is born in the crucible of suffering that the Jewish people and the world at large have been forced to create meaning once again out of the breakdown of meaning out of that capital T trauma that took place, that which happened to the Jewish people, that which happened to the world at large, those traumas of war and exile and Holocaust, those traumas on a certain level dictate that any growth outwards from that moment in history can consider itself on a certain level a post-traumatic response to life. And it's this perception that we're going to be utilizing in our discussions over trauma. Because when it comes to understanding trauma, one of the most essential things that we're going to have to open our minds up to is the relative nature of trauma. That everything is dependent on the perspective on the individual experiencing the event which might be referred to as trauma. Because as we're going to see, trauma is any event that comes along and shatters the status quo. Prior to the event, I expected things to go one way. The event emerges and it shatters my conception of how things should go. And the post result of that traumatic event is trying to figure out what to do now once my conception of life and my conception of stability has been shattered. And so each and every person in accordance with their conception of normalcy, with their conception of the status quo of human life, so too is going to be what is considered traumatic for that individual. For if a person who has grown up in a war-torn country hears gunshots at night, that's not going to be considered traumatic because there's nothing surprising about that. It's something that is expected. It's something that one has come to assume as part of the fabric of life. It might be frightening, it might be overwhelming, but it's not going to be traumatic because it's not going to be a sudden tear or a sudden wound that appears in something that was previously whole. But if I grow up in a community where gunshots are not something that I experience, somebody shooting a gun and me hearing it is going to be considered traumatic. So we can have, based on the relative positioning of an individual in accordance with their upbringing and what they're used to, 
very much in line with how Rav Dessler describes the, the relative positioning of free will. For one person, an event can be considered traumatic because it is a surprising tearing of what I've expected. And for another person, that very same event can be considered normal and not traumatic because they've come to expect it. And so just like anything in Yahadus, just like anything in Kedusha, just like anything in terms of the psycho-spiritual life of an individual, it must be seen through the individual lens of my own subjective experience. So too, when it comes to our relationship with the concept of trauma, each and every person has to see this sugya through the lens of their own mind, their own heart, and their own experience. And as the Zohar HaKadosh tells us, based on the Pasuk and Mishle, something that we speak about very often, that noida b'sharimbala, that God is known in the hearts of each and every individual, noida l'chol chad v'chad l'fum shiur delay, that each person is going to grasp God according to the conjecture of their own heart, what that means to say is that our grasp of God is subjective, and so too our grasp of experience, and so too our grasp of bechira or addiction or anxiety or joy, and all the more so when it comes to trauma, which is in and of itself already a subjectivized experience. So what is traumatic for one person is not traumatic for the other person. What is traumatic for the other person is not traumatic for one person. And it's nobody's right to claim that one person's experience is not traumatic or that one person's experience is more traumatic. Each and every person in accordance with their understanding when it comes to understanding the presence of trauma in their lives it's going to be lefi, their own eyes and the conjecture of their own heart. Now, when it comes to talking about trauma, when it comes to talking about an event that shatters open what I have come to expect, that breaks apart the stability that I have come to assume is present in my life, and that after the event fades away, I am left grappling and reeling with a sense of what happens now, from whence will my stability come? Where will that ground emerge from again that I can step forward again into life? Each and every person has to find their starting point with regards to the sugya of trauma. Some of us are aware of the event itself. Some of us are aware of the after effects. Some of us have a strange vision of what the trauma may have been, lowercase t or capital T. But suffice it to say, each and every person has to dig deep to find that point of contact with this sugya of a lowercase t trauma or trauma written in quotations, which implies the awareness that at a certain point, something broke. At a certain point, something shattered. At a certain point, something tore apart. And after that event, after that happened, we are left trying to sew things back together. We are left trying to find our footing again that in the perspective of a post-traumatic theology, of a post-traumatic spirituality, one is always trying to catch up. One is always trying to protect themselves against some unseen threat that one feels can come again and emerge again to tear asunder the comfort that I have found for myself. Now this trauma, this type of trauma, this sudden departure from the norm of our lives, each person feels it in their innermost heart. Each person feels what this trauma feels like. And I want to read the words of my Saba, because on a certain level, prior to give her, giving classes on trauma, as a therapist who has spent a lot of time dealing with individuals who have experienced significant capital T traumas, the question that is still nearly paralyzing is what right does one have to talk about trauma? What right does one have to open their mouths about this question of all questions about the breaking that gives birth to all of the difficulty, and as we're going to see, all of the power that a person can experience in their lives? And my Saba 
Rav Yisrael Rosenfeld, Rav Yisrael Ben David, who was a remarkable individual, who was a tzaddik, who came from Chust, who was a Satmar Chassid before the war, went through hell in Auschwitz and escaped and discovered life afterwards. My Saba's life is that traumatic model that I follow. Because as the theorists point out, the experience of being a child or grandchild or great-grandchild of those who have experienced significant trauma is a gift that keeps on giving, so to speak. And through the theory of epigenetics and the residual ripples that take place throughout the familial historic experience of a family, so every generation is affected. And I believe this is true for Claudia Yisrael at large and most likely the world at large as well at this point. But my personal entry point into the world of trauma is going to be my Saba and my namesake, my Saba's brother of Yoilish, Yoili Rosenfeld, Yoilika. And my Saba, Baruch Hashem, wrote a book that gave us over a little bit of an inkling into the experiences that my Saba had. It's a book called The Principle. And I want to read a, a few lines from, from, this, from this book that really defines the theory in which we're approaching the concept of trauma. On page 12, my Saba writes as follows. I also strongly believe that we cannot speak of, quote, the Holocaust. And again, here, Holocaust means destruction, Shoah means destruction. So we're not speaking about the parameters of a specific historic event at the hands of a particular enemy of the Jewish people in an existential form of an impossibility of speaking about it. But destruction can happen in a person's life at any given moment. And what my Saba is saying is that I strongly believe that we cannot speak of any specific type of trauma, of a singular experience of trauma, of a singular experience of the Holocaust, as if it were the same uniform event felt and experienced equally by everyone involved. In reality, writes my Saba, there were six million and many more individual Holocausts felt differently by each victim, martyr, or survivor, depending on his or her own emotional, social, and educational backgrounds and maturity. We cannot, therefore, borrow from others' accounts and adopt them as our own. I am convinced that I will forget many events and details that might be important and include some details that may be totally frivolous. However, what I do manage to relate, says my Saba, will be my own untainted recollections of my life the way that only I remember them, quote, even if somewhat hazily. In order to fully grasp the magnitude and the background of my own private Holocaust and of what life held for me afterwards, it is necessary, I feel, to paint as full a picture as possible of my formative years and of my social and cultural milieu of those experiences. What Masaba is describing here is what I've seen repeated over and over in some of the most significant texts regarding trauma theory, is that trauma is an individualized experience. And yes, trauma can be a collective experience, but when it comes to understanding that breakdown, that shattering, that split that takes place in our lives, that leaves us feeling unstable and leaves us feeling as if stability has been lost and we have nothing to grab hold of, what we must remember at each and every moment is that all of this is a particular understanding of our own experience. And just as trauma is a particular experience of one's own experience, so too the redemption and the moving through from trauma is going to be seen through the lens of each and every individual. And just as God is beheld individually and subjectively in the heart of each and every individual, so too the trauma is understood individually in the heart of each and every individual. When we speak about the collective nature of trauma, thankfully the Torah HaKadoshah, the Holy Torah, and our spiritual path ahead of us 
is not surprised by the conversation with regards to trauma, because on a certain level, especially as understood by the Mekubalim, by the Balei Hasidus, by the Gro and his Tamidim, by the Rashash and the Ramchal and all of the Tzadikim Amitim, on a certain level, the Torah given to us is a post-traumatic Torah. We know that in truth, the Torah that we rightfully deserve is a Torah of something called the Torah of Atzilus, a supernal Torah removed from any of the confines or limitations of human experience and the vicissitudes of what it means to be human. But as the result of our frailty and our natural human deficiency, which is not a deficient aspect of us, but rather a constitutive element of what it means to be a human being, Adam Arishon and Chava partook of the Chet of the Eitzadas, engaged in the first trauma after the trauma of creation, thereby taking existence down from its rightful place of calmness and collected clearness, and it has brought it down into a state of concealment and separation and baratious that Sadiqim point out is already from a language of bara, which means bar, which means something that is outside the original site that the Torah itself is something referred to as Torah of Bria. It's a Torah of creation. It's not the essential Torah. Now, the fact that it's not the essential Torah does not take away one iota of the fact that it's the Torah Sosha Moshe and Moshe Emes, the Saraso Emes, and that not one letter of the Torah can be changed and not one letter of the Torah will be changed. But what it means in accordance with our tzaddikim is the way we see the Torah is already a Torah of Bria, a Torah of creation, which is one step removed from the Torah of Atzilas, from the Torah of clarity which means to say that the Torah, as we understand it, is a response to the fall, to the difficulty that human beings find themselves in. And therefore, the entirety of our Torah can be seen on a certain level as a means to grappling with the question of trauma. How do we find God in a world after the Chet of the Yitzhadas? Or better, how do we find God in a world after the Tzimtzum? Or how do we find order in the world after the shattering of the vessels? There is always a preceding trauma that takes place prior to human awareness. Now, trauma doesn't mean a negative event by definition. Trauma means that it is something that is so overwhelming to the mind and to the senses that I go into a state of psychological shock and I cannot process the information as it is happening in real time. And as we're going to see, these events are defined very clearly by the Mikubalim and the Balipanemius in terms of the shattering of the vessels and the original contraction of the divine light for the sake of the creation of the world. But suffice it to say that what we find in our Torah is a reaction to darkness and trying to find the light within the darkness. God creates the world. The first entry point into the Torah is the tohu vavohu, the chaos and the disorder and the wonderment and the confusion as the tzaddikim point out. What tohu means, it means that I'm forced into a state of questioning. I no longer know what is stable anymore. We live in a world that is by definition unstable that HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates stability in the world, which by definition forces us to minimize our absolute belief in the stability that allows us to rest assuredly in our lives. So by a certain spiritual marker, we're always aware of the fact that things can fall apart and things might be different in the next moment, which is the definition of trauma. And we say in Birchas HaShachar, in the morning blessings, Rokeha Aretz Al Hamayim, that the earth, the firmament, the, 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 the firmness of the ground, the stability of the ground is not as stable as we think it is. It is built and spread out upon the water. Meaning to say that any step that we take, the ground can give out and reveal the instability of all things. 
And every moment that we live in a state of tikkun, a rectification or order, we stand at the ready to be prepared to find ourselves in a state of tohu once again. And so the conscious awareness that is cultivated in Panimiya Satora is on a certain level that we emerge from a previous traumatic event and we stand in the possibility of descending back down into that traumatic event. And on a certain level, the psychological byproduct of such an awareness is that as Jews in contemplation of the Torah, what we need to learn to do is find comfort within the instability of all things and to find the secret of calmness and faith and stability within the possibility of trauma, whether it be the memory of trauma, whether it be the presence of trauma, or whether it be the anticipation of trauma, the Jewish mindset, the psycho-spiritual event of what we have to try and grapple with is how to find calmness and stability in a world that is by definition unstable and chaotic. And what we're going to find is that our tzaddikim really, really give us a keen insight to this. What we're going to see in the theory, again, aside from the, the therapeutic texts that I've read, the theory that we're going to be utilizing in most of these classes is going to be based on the writings of the Leshem Shulva on the writings of the Tzadikim of Ishbitz and Radzin, on the writings of the Baal Shem Tov and his Talmidim, the Gra and his Talmidim, the Tzadikim in our generation, Rav Yitzhak Maya Morgenstern Shlita, the Baal HaSulam, Rav Shagar, Rav Roman, and different Tzadikim who came to teach us a post-traumatic Torah. They came to teach us what does it mean to live in the world of shattered vessels? What does it mean to live in a world where so much has gone wrong? where sometimes there were events in our lives that were so unfair and undeserved, yet nevertheless, our sense of stability was taken from us. Our sense of stability was forced to stutter and fall apart at an early point. And what does it mean not to run away from trauma, not to live in a world of repression of trauma, which thankfully the Jewish people and the world at large is moving out of, but as we move out of the repression and the ignorance of trauma, what we find ourselves in is the pain of trauma, is the awareness and the suffering that comes with trauma. And like we said, each and every person has to find their own therapeutic path. But in a general sense, what we also need how to learn how to do is find the psycho-spiritual mechanisms at play in the heart of our tradition that offer therapeutic insight into how to live as a post-traumatic subject, how to live after things have broken apart how to find calmness when things have broken apart, how to learn how to trust again. And one of the ways that we're going to do this is by understanding what it means to live a post-traumatic life, what it means to be aware at every moment that things could be different and how to cultivate bitachon and amuna and comfort and menucha and awareness and spiritual strength in the face of all of it. Famously, one of the, one of the greatest Jewish thinkers of trauma, Sigmund Freud, had two theories of trauma at particular points in his life. In the beginning, and again, Freud was guilty of creating a Jewish science. Anna Freud, Freud's daughter, was held to task. She was asked the question of what would you say when we respond to the claim of the enemies of the Jewish people, the Nazis, that psychoanalysis is a Jewish science. And ultimately, Anna Freud felt that that would have been a praise of her father's treatment a praise of her father's understanding of the underbelly and the unconscious of human experience. And in the beginning of Freud's early career, Freud had a theory that was referred to as the seduction theory, that there was always an actual trauma. Something, someone, some event came along and destabilized my comfort. 
something came along and forced me to stop believing in the calmness and the truth and the comfort of reality. And in order to grapple with that trauma, I have to come to understand what has happened, work through repressed memories, whether it's through hypnosis or free association, and come out to understand what has happened. And Freud, because he was Freud, and this is the way he spoke, his students came along and other theorists of that time said, you know this is not true. You know that not everybody has experienced this type of trauma. You know that not everybody has been attacked from the outside. So how are you going to claim that your theory is still correct? So in response to the fact that not everybody has experienced a capital T trauma from without, Freud developed his framework and the archeology span of the mind. And he said, okay, so if you weren't attacked from outside, you're attacked from the inside because the mind itself traumatizes the individual. The unconscious, the fears, the zaros, those anxieties, those depressive dips that we take, those feelings that we have from elsewhere, the Iber Neshama, the Gilgulam that we go through on each and every day and each and every moment, those are the traumas that we experience. So even in accordance with Freudian theory and in accordance with all of the theories of psychoanalysis with regards to trauma, some have experienced real capital T trauma, some have experienced unreal lowercase t trauma, but everybody together lives in a post-traumatic world because a post-traumatic world is the awareness that very simply things do not go the way I want them to go. Now, Chazal have an incredibly, incredibly liberal theory of what constitutes trauma. And here we're making an association between the word yisurin, which means suffering or the awareness of suffering and the experience of trauma. Because when Chazal asks, at what point, what is the most irreducible event? What is the minimal form of suffering needed in order to consider oneself as having been traumatized, as having suffered? And Chazal have a profoundly, profoundly liberal sense of what it means to have suffered. If I put my hands into my pocket and I desire three coins and I only find two coins, that is considered traumatic. Because the first moment that life does not go the way that I want it to go as a believing individual with a neshama and a neshama eloikai shebesoichi and a chelek eloikai mimal, the moment that things don't go the way I want them to go, that's enough to traumatize an individual. That's enough to throw a person into a, a free fall of what is going on here? Why shouldn't I get what I want? And therefore our awareness of the world is a post-traumatic world. The creation of the world was trauma. The shattering of the vessels was trauma. Adam Achava's experience was trauma. The tzaddikim point out based on the Zohar Kaddish that being born is trauma. And that the scream of the child in infancy at the state of birth is a scream that reverberates throughout the annals of history. Because when a shama comes down into this world, that's trauma. It's being torn down from the loftiest heights down into the lowest lows, which means that the formation of our spiritual awareness is also the formation of a post-traumatic spirituality, of learning how to grapple with a world that has apparently fallen apart. And the question of spirituality and amuna and bitachon is how do I come to terms with this? How do I learn to accept that which is and move forward and find HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the noise of all of it? And that's going to be what we try and discuss throughout these classes. We know already from the tzaddikim of Ishbitz and Radzin that when Chazal say, that it would have been easier for an individual to have not been born than to have been born, that we have to keep in mind that the, the, the Maimur and Chazal says, Noach, it would have been easier. 
it would have been more pleasant not to have been born, but it would not have been better. Because if the world is a traumatic world and we are post-traumatic subjects grappling with things having fallen apart, with expectations not being met, with frustrations on a daily basis, with hopes that dissolve, with tefillos that appear to be go unanswered. In the face of that, yes, it's difficult, it's unpleasant, but nevertheless, it provides the opportunity for an individual to uncover the light of spirituality inherent in all things, to uncover the secret of goodness, to uncover the secret of gam ki that in spite of the fact that I walk in the shadow of death, lo irara ki imadi, I do not need to fear the negativity because you're with me, Akadish Baruch Hu. And when a person, as our tzaddikim tell us, learns how to draw the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even into the deepest, darkest, most traumatic shatterings of our lives, at that point, all darkness, all concealment is dispelled, and we learn to live our lives as authentic, davening, spiritual creatures who find HaKadosh Baruch Hu not only when things are going very well, but specifically when things seem to have fallen apart. And what we're going to do throughout this series of shirim is analyze different elements of trauma to come in contact with the residual effects of trauma, and then to speak about the ways in which our tzaddikim give us insight to move away from that trauma, not to escape it, not to ignore it, not to erase it, not to suppress it or repress it, which we know does not do us any service because that which is repressed will always reassert itself in a way that we've unexpected it but to learn how to grapple with it, to learn how to make room for it, to learn how to find that proper place of tohu in our lives, of, in our, of chaos in our lives, and to include that chaos within our experience. We've quoted before the teaching from the Baal Shem Tov, that somebody came to the Baal Shem Tov and asked, how does one start to serve God? And the Baal Shem Tov, who was standing on top of a high cliff at that point, he said, Kazel, like this, and he threw himself off of the cliff. And as he was falling speedy with quickness and more speed, he shatters into a million pieces. And the student, the Masharis, who was with the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, was terrified. And he ran down the mountain to see what had become of his master in his effort to show him what spiritual work actually is. And he saw there the Baal Shem Tov was shattered and splintered into a million pieces. But as he gazed a little bit closer, he came to see that each and every shattered part of the Baal Shem Tov was the totality of a Baal Shem Tov. Meaning to say that, yes, things fall apart. That's the beginning of Avaidah Hashem, to recognize that things fall apart. But the deeper Avaidah Hashem and the deeper awareness and entry into Avaidah Hashem is the recognition that even when things fall apart, they stay together. It's simply a new way of understanding unity. Unity is no longer a singular element of unified wholeness, but unity is a fractalized and shattered experience where there are infinite sparks of unity. And every encounter of my life, every difficulty of my life, every fallen part of my life, every trauma of my life that splinters into a million pieces, the fragmentation of my experience, when gazed at with enough attention and amuna, each and every fragment bespeaks the unity of God. Each and every fragment bespeaks the wholeness and the cohesion and the togetherness of existence. And Be'ezrus Hashem, what we're going to do throughout these series is to try and understand a little bit of the inner world of trauma, to understand what our tzaddikim had to say about trauma. And Be'ezrus Hashem, to find the refuah nefesh and refuah saguf that the Torah is coming to offer us. HaKadosh Baruch Hu comes to heal the brokenhearted. As the Kutzker Rebbe said, There is nothing more whole than a broken heart. 
There's nothing more whole than an experience that has been forced to shatter itself into a million pieces, because then I get to uncover each and every piece and realize how potent and how powerful that fractalized unity of God is in my life. That within each and every broken piece, within the process of putting the pieces back together, I uncover a more potent form of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's unity. This is what the Torah is telling us. Torah Hashem Tamima Meshivas Nafesh. That the Torah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is perfect, it comes to restore the soul. Zak Meshiloach, the prerequisite for understanding the Tamimus and the holistic unity of the Torah, is to recognize that we need to be put back together. That we have always already fallen apart, and the Torah is here to help us. The Torah is the Samachayim. The Torah is that Chayim, is that Chayis, is that life-giving breath that allows us to piece the pieces back together. And Be'ezra Sashem will come together and will fix the broken pieces and come to examine the broken pieces through the light of the tzaddikim in the series of shirim that we're going to continue giving after this, Be'ezra Sashem. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page, and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.